0: Everything you do has to be intentional. There has to be some kind of strategy behind it. You can't just hit send every five seconds just because you want to and you have that urge. You're listening to the
1: B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about why people are seeing significantly less response on their prospecting outreach, how sales teams are irrelevant to key accounts and the human buyer, and most importantly, how your LinkedIn profile impacts it all. To help us, we have with us Christina Giarmillo with Personal ABM Account-Based Marketers. Christina, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Chad. I appreciate it.
1: So we always like to start with a kind of get to know you question icebreaker and always curious to know something you're passionate about that maybe those outside of work would be surprised to learn or our audience might be surprised to learn based on your professional profile.
0: Probably because people don't really know this unless they know me really well. I'm a big Disney nerd. I've liked Disney since I was a kid from the movies to the cartoons to the parks. I've been to the parks a dozen times. I even did the college program where they have like an internship thing and I worked on Main Street USA in Orlando um, (laughs) in Magic Kingdom and I wore the full like flannel in summer and in in Orlando summer it was really hot and interesting quite a few interesting stories but that's I I always what I loved about it was the experiences that they create and then I get to share that with my kids now which is awesome but it was just very Disney is all about experiences whatever platform they're in they're always trying to make you part of their world and part of the reality or fantasy whatever you want to call it and that's what I really loved about it
1: that's amazing from an experiential standpoint they were kind of the forerunners Now companies all talk about customer experience and all that lovely stuff, but Disney was really the one that broke that ground. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And so let's jump into kind of the topic at hand and something that anybody and everybody that's dealing with the COVID environment today is curious about. Why are people seeing a decrease in responsiveness? Any perspectives or stats or thoughts that you can share on kind of why this is happening through all of the different channels where people usually connect?
0: Sure. Yeah. Recently, I think it was the second quarter of 2020, LinkedIn came out with a study that said about 44% of organizations were seeing a drop in responsiveness on social, email, other channels they were using because of C19. And I think it has to do with C19 or COVID, whatever we want to call this. But I think it's because buyers want to still engage with experts that can help them with their current and future challenges, even if they can't buy right now or their buying less or whatever their particular issue is. And they want to build relationships on value and, and you know, that value is like the key of everything and that's never changed and hopefully it never will. But I believe the unresponsive is that everyone is forced into digital channels like LinkedIn, other platforms because of no live events, no trade shows, no conferences, no one-on-one interactions. So there's more people competing. There's yeah. more people pushing out messages. They're pushing out more invites, more content, more generic, messages just to hope something is going to stick and it's kind of just adding to the noise and they're not hitting with relevance so i think the lack of relevance is at the end of the day what's missing for all these people
1: well and think about i mean that value thing is so important like all of a sudden for once we're globally sharing this environment, this thing where anxiety's heightened. People are on edge, but other people respond to it. Some people have lost people. Other people haven't, other people have lost jobs for some, it's been a positive. I mean, it's all over the board, but it's all this common thread of COVID and we all go virtual and we all start getting twice as much email, <laughs> twice as much BS LinkedIn requests with no note that then turns into a crappy sales pitch. And, and it's this inundation of digital that's almost hard to process, which I think, to your point of the, about the noise, makes it harder for individuals to not only connect, but now to understand what somebody else finds valuable, given the current environment. Any thoughts on how you're working with people to help them figure out what is it that your prospects would find valuable or helpful at this point?
0: you know i think it's you have to do your homework that's you know sales 101 you have to look into i mean you have to do your homework you can't just assume that everyone's going to be looking for your solution or looking for your product or whatever it is you can't send out generic stuff to everyone you have to treat people like a human there you're interacting with them digitally but there's still a human behind there you know and i think people are just like i said using generic copy Um, their profiles are just resumes so if i send you an invite and my profile is just a resume I don't really see the value in necessarily connecting. You're not giving me a reason in my, in the invite, if you're not giving me relevant content there, or, you know, don't, don't just throw in my name and give me that copy and paste template. I hate that. I right. automatically delete it. I'm sure people do. <laughs> and I think it's just, I think it's everybody's just playing that numbers game. And when you play a numbers game, everyone just kind of loses because nothing's actually hitting where it's supposed to be. No one's actually, you know, that spray and pray that everyone loves. And I think yeah. it's, it's amplified now on digital. So you're only really responding to people that have predefined needs. So if they're already looking for your solution, maybe what's that 10% of the market, then you're lucky. It's like playing a, a, a casino game. You, the odds are really never in your favor when you do it that way.
1: Yeah. And then we, I saw a research study by uh, marketing donut. I can't remember when it came out, but it basically said that 3% of your, like if you had a hundred, prospects only 3% where three of them are actually currently looking. So, I mean, that's crap. I mean, those odds are horrible. So if you look at that report, there are strata that there are different ways you could approach it to increase it from three to maybe 70, but you have to use different things and all of it's around personalization. You made a comment about the numbers game. The data is important. And I'm wondering, and I know this is totally off script and not on the questions. Welcome to the show. But when we look at the data, and and people have a tendency to be all data, data, data. And I'm a big fan of like, I want the data to tell me what's working, what's not so I can get better. But there's this fine line between treating people like numbers and remembering that human element. And it's gotten even more of a fine line in COVID because everybody's playing the spray and pray game. How do you you help people stay focused on effectively making that human connection?
0: I think it goes back to strategy. You can't just you know, shoot from the hip and just connect and invite anyone you want and think that that's going to work. Like I got an invite yesterday from someone that I had commented on a thread about demos and what we should be calling them. We should be calling them demos or we should be calling them discos or whatever, just (laughs) keywords. And the guy is, didn't read my comment, invites me to connect and says, oh, I have a demo solution. You should check it out. And I'm like, wait a second. If you had read the comment that I put, on, you would say that you would know that I said, lead with value. If you would looked at my profile, you would know that I'm not even a prospect of yours <laughs> because I don't offer software or I don't work with software. Like I don't sell it myself. Right. So it, it doesn't work for me. So like I, I sent him a message trying to explain that to him. I mean, I didn't get a response back, but it's just, I think that's what people are doing is they think that anyone and everyone, there's no strategy of who your targets are. And if you don't, if you just go out there and think that anyone and everyone's going to be your perfect fit. That's why you're getting that three percent, if not less. because <laughs> it's just not that's not the way it is. You need that ideal customer profile, and that has to go first before you can actually go out there.
1: Yeah, you have to have some kind of filter mechanism. Just because someone is breathing does not make them a prospect. <laughs> I mean, it's has got but go back to the dating game back when we were well when I when I was younger, the dating game, oh, it's a numbers game. It's a, no it wasn't a numbers game. You, you don't go after everybody that's breathing. You have to ones where you're you're actually going to have a connection. And I think we, the more we get behind these virtual walls, we have to work twice as hard to drive that connection not only that, but to get people to get through the noise, to get people's attention for them to willing to get on a zoom meeting. So you can actually see their face and see their reactions and things like that. And I think that creates a hell of a challenge. I mean, without being able to do that effectively without leading with value, you probably run the risk of damaging your brand your personal brand and the corporate brand am i am i missing the mark there or is that pretty accurate
0: no i think that's totally true and and it's funny that you mentioned the brand um only because i think a lot of people hide behind their corporate brand and don't like put themselves out there and i don't know if it's if it's because i think it's an internal thing they're not allowed to or you know that maybe they're not confident i don't know what it is but again you know that people buy from other people that they know like and trust that's something that's again sales 101 But if you don't put yourself out there and make yourself an actual human and make yourself personal and make yourself relatable, how am I ever going to engage with you? And that goes back to one of my pet peeves that when people look at their LinkedIn profiles, if you see it's written in third person, it drives me crazy. <laughs> because I wouldn't go up to you and be like, here's my resume, Chad. Nice to meet you. Like, I would talk to you like I this, you that. I would I would use different words. It's written like you want it to sound like the back flap of a book type of right, thing. Right. You know, the bio sections very boring very buttoned up very you don't know who the person really is right so you had to give yourself some personality obviously professional personality but i think that's that's what's missing too
1: yeah and i I remember i mean you can see me the audience can't thank goodness because i do have a face for podcasting these are platinum highlights in my goatee this is not gray hair at least that's what i'm telling myself but i remember back when social media first started LinkedIn, Facebook, and there was a lot of churn inside the organizations where I was an executive about what do we allow our people to do? What, what, what will impact, negatively impact the corporate brand versus what are where are the boundaries and the guidelines? And, and I feel like those still haven't been defined and or, or established, at least not cross-generationally. Like for mm. myself as a Gen Xer, I didn't grow up with my face in a screen. Millennials, probably more so Gen Z, absolutely. And there's these different understandings of appropriate versus not appropriate So we get this generational clash and lack of shared reality across what is or is not appropriate, which boils down from, I guess, what I've seen into this one word, authenticity. Yes. And so how do you help, how do you suggest people when they think about their LinkedIn profiles or the way that they interact digitally, maintain authenticity without jeopardizing their own personal brand and or a corporate brand. Any guy, and then this may sound like a basic, like duh question, even as I hear myself asking it, I think I know the answer. But I'm finding we all need to go back to basics for some level of foundation at this point. But just curious on your thoughts.
0: So, are you are you asking basically what when somebody's profile presence on LinkedIn or their social yeah, presence just in their, general?
1: Well, I mean, and just their just think about their digital presence.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. Because
1: because now nowadays a lot of people still have not locked down their Facebook. I don't know why they're I don't know what they have I don't know why they haven't figured that out. And then the, you know Instagram, haven't, some haven't locked that down either. So they may have this like, wow, I'm super polished and professional LinkedIn. And then there's shots, you know, body shots of tequila and weird you know, dark alleys on their Facebook and it, and it doesn't create, you know, it's doesn't not drive, synergistic. Yeah. So how do you help people? Or how do you suggest people kind of understand the multifacets of their social persona and the impact that it can have on a business or on their ability to connect with a human being?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, well, aside from giving me those crazy pictures that people like to do or <laughs> lack of picture, yeah. that, that's that's a whole other conversation right there. I mean, it has to be a professional picture. It doesn't have to be something where you're in a suit and tie right necessarily, but just has to be fresh professional. But I think my biggest thing that I've seen a lot of at least B2B sales leaders is they're listing their employers, their roles, their sales accomplishments, no relevant value. You know, I did, I had my team do a look at a lot of B2B sales leaders profiles and we kind of did our own like unofficial study. And we saw that the thing that are, most people are talking about are their close rates, their sales awards, yeah. um, you know, how they're hitting or exceeding quotas and targets. But unless you're selling sales training, or you're a sales coach, or that's the realm that you live in, as a buyer, as a prospect, it kind of turns me off, because I feel like you're going to pitch me the minute I connect to you, or you only care about me helping you make your quota, not about the value you're going to give to me as an individual. So, you know, that's one thing that I think people need to think about when they're looking at their social profile, like, you can't treat LinkedIn like the other profiles, it has to be um professional to a certain extent but then you also have to be a human you can't just be so like buttoned up like we're talking about and then that third person thing i was talking about i don't like that automatic disconnect nobody talks like that in real life (laughs) so i don't understand why that is again that human human connection i'm not talking to a piece of paper or i'm not talking to a screen i'm talking to a person right and another thing that i see is that people are talking about their past and what they did in the past, instead of the present and the actual now and how they're helping clients now and what challenges they're seeing in their in their market with their clients and you know how they can help them with their current situations for future and long-term growth goals, whatever that is. And last thing is about building trust with digital relationships. So if your profile and messaging does four things, I think it's gonna help you build that credibility and trust and it's one, demonstrate clear understanding of your target audience business needs. Like yeah, going yeah. back to homework and doing your research and knowing your audience Absolutely. Um, and go beyond personalization, provide the personal message. So to me, personalization and personal, are two different things. So we need to speak to the human, that's the personal within the target accounts that you're looking to win, protect, expand, whatever it is that your goal is. Yeah. And then also share content that's applicable to the decision-making process and relevant. Don't just share silly things. That stuff is for other platforms. That might be for Facebook or it might be for Instagram or wherever. Uh, TikTok, whatever you're using. (laughs) I don't need silly, you know, uplifting things or political things on LinkedIn. That's not what I go to it for. Um, And the fourth thing that I like to tell people is to build consensus with decision makers and influencers. So that's going to go back to make sure that you are sharing stuff that's applicable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it also means they have to have a voice. They have to have an opinion. And you have to know how to express that opinion in public discourse without being divisive, which... (laughs) If you look at the news today, we're not very good at it just generally. But I mean, you have to be like, look, human beings are messy. There's nothing, there's nothing pretty about any of us. Like I don't, I don't care. And it's, and this whole Instagram duck lip, me, me, me thing. She's laughing. Cause I'm literally holding my hand up. Like I'm taking a picture and I made the duck lip face audience. So that was just for you, but it's all, it, we live in this like me, 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 but in order to connect, it has to be about them first. There's not a significantly easy way to teach individuals how to cross that chasm. And so I think there's a huge gap, which leads to the whole divisiveness and things of that nature and understanding that LinkedIn is not the Facebook of business. It was not designed to be that man getting that point across super challenging depending on the generation that you're speaking to and their understanding of the digital environment i'm curious have you seen kind of if you're talking to older clients versus younger clients kind of what strata of explanation do you have to provide or guidance coaching mentoring sherpaing? do you have to provide to get them to not be an outlier but get to a, a common human connection on a digital platform
0: yeah that's that's an interesting question because a lot of people when we go to like C-levels or maybe people that are senior in their career or, you know, VPs, they're a little more traditional, buttoned up, very, you know, I, I have to represent the company really well. I have to, you know, stand behind the brand. And we're trying to get them like a little bit out of their comfort zone maybe yeah. um, and show that they are a person there. They're not just a title on a on their office door or whatever. And then the, the younger crowd, they're all about the emojis on their profile. It drives me insane. <laughs> I'm like, I just because you put a star or a smiley face next to your name does not mean I'm gonna connect with you and, and you know as a professional I'm kind of running the other way because yeah. i'm like I, I don't I don't like that but anyway that's just personal and I think like the middle of the ground they're like okay I gotta be professional so maybe like 30s 40s 50s I don't know that age rage I have to be professional and I have to have represent the brand but I also have my personal brand so they're kind of the hybrid the middle right. i guess middle age I don't know what that is called anymore now
1: I haven't bought a sports car yet, but I'm getting close.
0: I don't, I I don't know what that's middle age, middle, (laughs) middle career. Let's go with that. Um, I I like that I like middle of your career, middle of your stage of your career. They're a little more of the hybrid of personal brand and solo brand, because if you're going to move to another company, you're still going to need that solo brand. You're still going to need that personal brand. If you, if you have your own business, you'd have to have a solo brand. Um, and you can't just hide behind the company because if you're not with that company anymore, then. What do you stand for? Who are you? What value are you bringing to me? Or are you just resharing everybody else's content and not actually putting your own spin on it or adding your own two cents?
1: Absolutely. And, it, and it's a fine line. Like I remember, I remember when I was younger, <laughs> somebody said to me, hey, you're not dressing for the job you, you have. You're dressing for the job you want. Now, uh, you can see me. I'm obviously, I'm wearing a Temple Bar from Dublin, Ireland, whiskey t-shirt. I'm covered in tattoos. I'm not shy about sharing my love of Harleys, but that's one cover of the book. The other cover of the book is degrees and accomplishments and blah, 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 awards and all that crap. At the end of the day, thanks to two divorces and a bunch of therapy, I'm comfortable just putting it out there that, hey, this is what you're getting. And I'm not, I'm not, going, to, I'm not going to be anything but authentic and I'm happy to push boundaries, but I'll always be professional. I think there are a lot of people that struggle with the ability to be truly vulnerable, to be truly authentic. I think requires a level of vulnerability, especially in a digital platform where if you do it, it doesn't go away. That shots from Mexico where you're doing body, the picture where you're doing body shots in Mexico and the tequila and the, and the fountain of vodka, that's not going anywhere. It's going to be there forever. So you just kind of got to own it at some point and be able to proactively manage your reality versus your digital representation of self is that a fair kind of assessment of it
0: absolutely absolutely but i think it's going back to this relevance and value if you're not sharing either of them then you're not you know you're not making it at least not on linkedin you're not going to be able to make that connection with people that you're looking to attract yeah what
1: like i mean some people are attracted to things that resonate with them right yes emoji i'm with you on the emojis by the way I don't get the emojis. I don't. And now I have on my Apple phone created the little emoji that looks like me. That's um, different. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm not using that on LinkedIn. Although it's a better looking representation of self than my picture. That has more to do with me than the photographer. But at the end of the day, it's that being mindful, I think. Is that fair? I mean, I think mindfulness helps and it's such a cliche. It's gotten to a point where it's such a cliche word now, but being mindful of the way you and your persona and your outreach impact another human being needs to be one of the first thoughts that goes through our mind, not one of the last. Is that fair?
0: Absolutely. It has to be, everything you do has to be intentional. There has to be some kind of strategy behind it. You can't just hit send every five seconds just because you want to, and you have that urge. And I know I have to, I have to curb it. Yeah. <laughs> just hit send 500 times at You know, it'll work eventually, right? Yeah, it's a um, numbers game. Yeah. yeah, no, let's just do that. And then we'll cry about why it's not working um no but i don't everything you do has to have an attention there has to be a reason that you're doing it and please for god's sake filter and and chat and edit and make sure that you're talking about what you really want to talk to before you hit send because you think you can edit these things and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't oh yeah no once it's out there it's out there
1: and it's out there forever and it can be yep. found and it can be searched and it can show yep. up in a court affidavit
0: yep, yep, yeah 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 <laughs> no typos, no, um, you know, if if you read it aloud to yourself and it sounds offensive, don't say it send. Don't like, send think it. about it. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. All right. So tell us a little bit about ABM account-based marketers. What do y'all do over there?
0: So account-based marketers, we've actually, you know, gone through a couple of iterations of our name. So right now we're a personal ABM. We're doing business as personal ABM. So personal account-based marketers uh, works with B2B tech, SaaS, logistics, 3PL companies, and then the the tech that they use in those industries. So we focus on the top 10, 20 accounts um, and try to win, protect, and expand at-risk accounts and just keep retention and and go after actual targets. So I know a lot of people think of ABM as being a little more personal or personalized. And we have 100 uh, ABM accounts we wanna, or target accounts that we want typically that's not something we do. We have to have actual named accounts. We can't say we want, to, we want to attract a company or work with a company that looks like Oracle. No, we want to work with Oracle or we want to work with Microsoft. We actually need the physical named account. Um, so that's who we're working with. And we've been doing that for about 10 years now.
1: How'd you get there? What's the journey like?
0: What's the journey like? Have you, uh, uh,
1: how, how, tell me the story. Like, I'm curious because to be able to help someone go after an enterprise. I mean, I'm assuming most of them are enterprise level accounts. Like I want to do like, and I'm, that's my podcast. I can say whatever I want. I don't want to do business with Oracle. I'd rather do, I, it's the one company I don't want to do business with. Let's pick another company. I'd rather do business with uh, let's just call it Apple. And I'm not even sure I want to do business with them, but it's that large scale account. And, you help them take an abm approach to get into the accounts to make the connections build the clusters of connection and identify the opportunities that am i summarizing it correctly yes
0: yeah and we're typically we work with sales leaders we do occasionally work with marketing but we're we're driving conversation sales conversations So anything that we put out whether it's content articles uh, anything like that any kind of nurturing messages or outreach that we do is always tailored for specific sales conversations, because what we're finding or what we found is that marketing's having one conversation, sales is having another Marketing's <laughs> talking about, yeah, brand, <laughs> brand awareness, lead gen, um, you know, me, 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 me benefits, features, and then sales is talking about the actual problems and issues that are, you know, each specific client or target that they're responsible for is having. So we typically are working with the VP of sales or a sales leader that has a couple of accounts that are like, either stuck or they're going to RFP because they heard some rumors or you know they're just not engaged with the actual decision maker they're maybe engaged with the person that's using their solution or using their service so it's not the person that holds the purse strings type of thing so we drive conversations and we're accountable for revenue so if our conversations are not pushing sales cycles forward we're not driving revenue conversations then we're not doing our job that's our metric is revenue we're not we don't care about clicks likes those vanity metrics, they're, they're fun to have and they're nice and they are important to certain people, but our particular metric and our only metric is revenue.
1: And, and do you structure your engagements in a way based against results? I don't want to get too, ple- into your yeah, price, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, we do. We Absolutely.
1: Do. Okay. Excellent. Because there are not many people out there uh, that will stand behind what they're doing enough to say, Hey, I'm willing to put skin in the game. Right. Yep. So that, I think that's something that you and I both share. It's like, Hey, I know how effective this can be. So I'm willing to put skin in the game, but you got to do things a certain way.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And so, so you said 10 years been doing this, what were we doing for what made, what made ABM personal ABM such a passion for you?
0: You know, it's kind of something that we were doing for ourselves. And then we saw that it was doing so well for our actual, we use ourselves as Guinea pigs. Basically we started off as we were content marketing before content marketing was, um, or, no, excuse me, yeah, <laughs> article marketing, actually, when, you know, where you would get your articles and top publications, we kind of more from a publicity, publicity marketing engine into something that evolved into account based marketing, we just kind of used it, the same approach on ourselves as the guinea pigs. And then we started rolling it out to clients and saw that it was working. And we kind of just went with it, you know, we originally were just LinkedIn oriented. But now this whole process can go social conversations, email conversations, live one-on-one conversations. It's all about the strategy of the conversation that you wanna have. We're big proponents of the challenger sale. And that's the kind of approach that we were taking and we didn't realize it until we read the book and we're like, oh, this is what we've been doing. And then they kind of refined it because we were a little more, maybe rough around the edges, a little more too too aggressive, maybe is the word. I've been called f- quite a few things uh, around those lines. Um, so we refined it, thankfully, for the book, with the help of the book. And I didn't realize that they have three books. I've only read like two of them. But yeah, so that's kind of where it morphed to, because my business partner has been doing B2B marketing and content and article marketing since college, started out in public relations. And then he kind of brought me in to help his business and market his business. And then I fell into marketing for him on LinkedIn. He's like, I don't have time for that. That's another social thing. I don't <laughs> want to do that. You know, I, whatever. I was like, he's like, if you can make it work, go ahead. And I kind of did because I was working in corporate. I was working for a hospital healthcare organization and um, it kind of just went from there It evolved. Oh.
1: Excellent. All right. So let's change direction a little bit here. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. And as a business owner, as someone that is out there in the public, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people that are out there. So I'm always curious to know when somebody doesn't have a trusted introduction to you, a referral into you, what works well to capture your attention and earn the right to 13, 15, 20 minutes on your calendar?
0: You know what? Just be intentional with any kind of reach outreach to me. If you're connecting with, with me on LinkedIn, if you're sending me an email, it's got to be intention. You have to put some personalization in there. Not the personal. Put my name. I saw you here. I heard you here. Give me a reason why to connect with you, so that I know you wrote it for me, and you didn't write it for 500 people hoping that someone's gonna actually connect with you and, and get on your calendar.
1: I love it. So we they have to show you that they know you. It's at exactly the end of the day, you've done your homework. All right, last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If you could give only one piece of advice, only one piece of advice to marketers, sales professionals, or uh, consultants, only one, and you believe it is the one piece of advice that would help them hit their targets or exceed them, what would it be and why?
0: Mm, this is a good one. I think I'm going to cheat a little and go back to what I said about intention. Everything that you do has to have an intention. Your profile has to have an intention. You know, if you want to create sales conversations, then it's got to be written for that. If you want to share stories with clients, then everything that you do has to have that intent behind it, because I feel like that's the only way to get credibility and get that value there and, you know, create that emotional connection with buyers or anyone that you're looking to engage with. And the only way you're going to make someone a top or someone will make you a top priority is if you share a business case, give them a reason to connect or a reason to engage with you.
1: I love it. I love it. All right, Christina, if somebody's interested in talking to you more about the topics we talked about or learning more about personal ABM, where do you want us to send them? Any particular place?
0: The best place would be to go to learn about uh, our account-based sales and marketing services at personalabm.com. And then also uh, stopthesalesdrop.com is where we have podcasts, we have articles, we have videos, all types of different things. And we actually have one of your colleagues coming on one of our Reboot Friday series, Julie Thomas will be participating in one of our sales and marketing and sales enablement topic panels. And that's beginning on Friday. So go to StopTheSalesDrop.com and join the, uh, click on join our community so they can learn more.
1: I love it. So StopTheSalesDrop.com. Correct. That is the perfect, I'm so glad you got that URL. That is, it's beautiful. I mean, In the middle of everything that's going on, that is awesome. (laughs) All right, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you, Chad, I appreciate it. Had a good time.
1: All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com, share with friends, family, and coworkers. Let your kids listen to it, it's better than screen time. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience.